All right, y'all, welcome to the Scott Horton Show. I'm the director of the Libertarian Institute, editorial director of Antiwar.com, author of the book Fool's Errand, Time to End the War in Afghanistan, and the brand new Enough Already, Time to End the War on Terrorism. And I've recorded more than 5,500 interviews since 2003, almost all on foreign policy and all available for you at scotthorton.org. You can sign up for the podcast feed there. And the full interview archive is also available at youtube.com slash Scott Horton Show. Okay, guys, on the line, I've got Cato Institute senior fellow Doug Bondo. And, of course, he writes for us at antiwar.com. And here he is in the American Conservative magazine. That's theamericanconservative.com. Joe Biden grovels to the Saudis. Oh, say it ain't so, Doug. He wouldn't do anything like that. <laughs> America's the empire and Saudi Arabia is the client state. I read that in a magazine somewhere. <laughs> yeah, you would think that. I mean, you look at the countries, you know, you'd think the U.S. was a superpower and would be the one that would kind of order the Saudis around. But it turns out it's the other way around. Yeah, it's funny that uh, it, it's just the energy. But you know what? We don't even import that much oil from the Saudis, do we? <laughs> No, one of the great things with fracking and other you know, energy developments has been that the U.S. has become a major energy exporter. You know, the Saudis uh, provide more oil to the Chinese, at least they did until the Chinese started buying a lot of Russian oil, and the Europeans. So the question is, why should we protect oil for China? It's a very strange idea that uh, you, know, you would think after all these years, finally, we could say we don't have to suck up to the Saudis anymore. But it turns out, this president kind of went the whole way, a little his little fist bump, plus begging for oil, which came to naught. I mean, the, the Saudis treated him with contempt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, before they wouldn't even take his phone call. And then you say here they didn't even greet him with a red carpet kind of treatment when he landed. The president of the world empire, he got what the mayor came out. Exactly. Or governor. I think it was the governor of the province. Mm -hmm. You know, and then uh, when uh, he which that's about the way, pardon me, but. In diplomatic language, that's a serious, deliberate F.U. to the president of the United States, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I mean, when this is supposed to be your most important ally and you don't send the king, you don't send the son. You know, I mean, that is this is this is downscale. This is, yeah. you know, he, he, he even can the foreign minister, you know, that's right. You can catch a taxi to the uh, the conference center. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. So go ahead, because I interrupted your train of thought, but I just wanted to zoom in on that one sure. point, because that's no, really one of, something. one of the other points was the president tried to assure everybody, oh, don't worry. I told him how upset I was about, uh, you know, the murder and dismemberment of uh, Jamal Khashoggi. And the uh, Saudi foreign minister said, well, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Calling the president a liar. And of course, we know the president does have a problem remembering things that never happened. Yeah, and uh, then, then uh, you know, MBS, uh, you know, your good old slice and dice himself. You know, criticized the U.S. energy program and all the green energy and you know climate change and stuff. So he's out there trashing the president's energy program. I mean, it's quite extraordinary. In other words, he's saying, "Oh, if you're complaining that the price of energy is so high, then forget Saudi Arabia. Why don't you just pump your own damn oil?" Is that right. what he's saying? Yeah, this is Amazing. your problem. I mean, you've you've done this. Don't blame us. Yeah. And by the way, you talk about. Uh, Crown Prince Bonesaw here, as I like to call him. Slice and dice, I like that. Yeah, this guy's one hell of a cold-blooded murder, but he's still only, what, like 35 or something? 37? He's going to be the king of Saudi Arabia until the CIA kills him someday or something, right? 
Oh, that's right. Or unless one of his uh, in-laws or somebody does it. I mean, an awful lot of members of the royal family don't like him, but I assume he has some pretty good security around him. I mean, he's a tough one. You know, the old system, you kind of shared power with all the brothers and everybody got a piece of the action. And this one, it's like, oh, boy, you better not cross this guy. You know, the uh, the former crown prince, his cousin, you know, is apparently in uh, under house arrest and nobody sees him. We actually don't even know whether he's really alive. And then he went off on some foreign trip and he took along the son of his cousin, you know, who had to kind of show the the faith and we support the, the crown prince. I mean, it's brutal that uh, he did that with Jamal Khashoggi. You know, I mean, he chops up Khashoggi and then brings in Khashoggi's kids. Oh, it's so sad what happened to your father. Oh, I, I, I have my condolences. I mean, what a ruthless, cold-blooded guy. Yeah, speaking of ruthless and cold-blooded, you see the Washington Post then had a thing about, yeah, Khashoggi's wife says that he would want the U.S. to forgive Mohammed bin Salman for this. And to not let it, you know, spoil our wonderful relationship. Exactly. That's amazing. Uh, they just have no qualms about putting something like that out there. And by the way, when I say Washington Post, that's not in this case just interchangeable with the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times. This is the paper that Khashoggi wrote for, spinning for the crown prince what murdered him. That's right. It's just incredible to see. God dang. Um, shocking, but not surprising, but still shocking. That's my disorder, Doug. I think maybe you got the same thing as me. It's still shocking enough to keep you motivated to keep complaining about it, even though you're never really surprised that they would do such things. But boy, they do continue to do such things, you know? Well, it's shocking, but not surprising. That's really the terrible you know, aspect yeah. of it is that these days I still occasionally I do, there is some shock involved, but it never surprises me. You know, it's just, oh, wow. I mean, we're doing a little extra today. That uh, I mean, the notion that you turn your uh, you know, kind of consulate into a killing field, I mean, it really is quite extraordinary. You know, I'm sure he's not the first person who's been killed in somebody's consulate, but they're just something. So, you know, they use the, you know, the brother of the crown prince, you know, another one of the princes, who was then ambassador to the United States to assure Khashoggi, oh, yes, everything will be fine. Just go to the consulate. We'll get the paperwork done about his divorce. And then he could marry. Oh, yeah, no, no, everything will be fine. I mean, it's just, I mean, these guys are just, you know, Americans don't get them. I mean, you know, even our cold-blooded people, you know, they believe in killing, of like ordering the U.S. military to bomb another country, but they don't have their own hands on it. You know, this is one where there's an individual who you know, and you're quite, you know, just plan it all out and take the guy out. I mean, this is, it's wild stuff. Yeah. All right. Now, you quote all the human rights groups and so forth here. Uh, talking about the oppression of the Shiite minority and, I guess, of women and political dissidents of all kinds and that kinds of thing. Uh, you have what the morality police, just like in Iran and that kind of deal. Can you describe the degree of police state there? Well, what's happened here, it's, it's kind of a twofold thing. It, and he has some support from young people because what he's been doing is dismantling the religious stuff. You know, that is... You know, women can drive now. You know, they have greater economic opportunities. You know, they've had concerts. You know, that uh, you can go to movie theaters. And for the most part, the religious police don't show up and arrest you anymore. You know, so there, there's that sense of a, a cultural relaxation while he's doubled down on political tyranny. You know, so the women who are out there advocating to be able to drive, he's thrown in prison and had tortured. 
you know, that uh, they've taken bloggers and put them in jail, not because they criticized him, but because they didn't praise him. You know, so it's not enough to just, you know, not say anything. You know, if you're not out there kind of sucking up to him all the time, you know, then you're, you're, you'll end up in jail. Yeah, and what's important here is that, you know, there's a tendency because Khashoggi was known in Washington, everybody focuses on him. And that's understandable. I mean, I had lunch with him. I was on a panel with him. I mean, he was a good guy. But the point is the oppression goes so much broader. I mean, other royals have been kidnapped from abroad and brought in. They've been set in prison. You never see them again, like his cousin. Mm-hmm. So this is a thoroughgoing, oppressive place. If you look at Freedom House ratings, you know, they come in worse than China and worse than Russia. I mean, they're down kind of getting close to North Korean territory. You know, this is a really bad place when it comes to any sense of political freedom, civil liberties, freedom of expression, freedom of religion. I mean, there's not a single synagogue or church or temple there. You know, I mean, it's this is a very bad place. And it's kind of off the charts. Yet, you know, the president said, well, I, you know, I, if it happens again, I'll tell them that I, I'll complain. Well, so, but yeah, but that really threatens them. That makes them really worried. Yeah. You know, when you read stuff about, you know, they take this Shiite dissident and they cut his head off and then they string up and crucify, essentially, or maybe quite literally crucify his headless corpse to make an example out of him and stuff like that. It sounds like war propaganda that I would not believe if it was being deployed against any enemy of the United States. You know, if you told me the if you told me the Ayatollah in Iran did that, I mean, I know he hangs people from their neck a lot, so right. I would say, okay, I'm willing to see your evidence, but I would not just believe it since I know America hates the Ayatollah so much. But in this case, these are our guys, and it's like, yeah. And in fact, you have this quote here. I almost can't believe it, but I can. At least 89 U.S. persons or their family members were detained, disappeared, or under travel bans at some point in 2021 in Saudi Arabia. And under travel bans means house arrest, essentially, then, right? That's right. They, they, especially they can't leave the country. I mean, a number of these are spouses. You know, America, you know, say if you're an American woman and you marry a Saudi, marry a Saudi Arabian man, you go over there, I mean, you become essentially his property. You know, so the point is, if you want to divorce, if you want to take the kids, you know, too bad. I mean, no way. And there have been a number who have been, you know, kind of inculcated some American style values in terms of freedom of speech and whatnot. You know, if you say any of that stuff, you end up in jail, you end up, you know, at the very least under house arrest, you can't ever leave. And, you know, these are American citizens. And again, this is one where if the president was really concerned about human rights, at the very least... He could say, well, if you, you want us to defend you, by the way, maybe we should get some of these people out. That uh, what, what to me is extraordinary is this. It's kind of like an iceberg. You know, above the water is Jamal Khashoggi. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, extraordinary, incredible public attention, et cetera. And below that is this massive oppression, which gets very little attention internationally. Yeah. Sorry. Hang on just one second. Hey, y'all. Scott Horton here for Tennessee Hot Sauce Company. Man, this stuff is so good. They get all different flavors. Garlic habanero, honey habanero, pineapple habanero, poblano jalapeno, and the blood orange ghost. They're all so good, I swear. And for a limited time, Tennessee Hot Sauce Company is featuring official Scott Horton Hotter Than the Sun thermonuclear hot sauce. It's full of Carolina Reapers, Scorpion Peppers, Dr. Pepper, hydrogen isotopes, and all kinds of things that'll burn your tongue clean off. Seriously, it's really good. Get yourself a hot sauce subscription. 
Spend $40 or more and use promo code SCOTT to get a free bottle of Hotter Than The Sun hot sauce. That's tnhotsauceco.com. Hey, y'all got to check out these awesome busts of our hero, the great Ron Paul. They're made by the renowned sculptor Rick Casali. They're 13 inches tall, hand-painted bronze resin based on Casali's brilliant original. Y'all may have seen mine in the background on my bookshelf in some recent interviews. The thing is unbelievable. Check out this incredible piece of art at rickcasali.com slash ronpaul, and you'll see what I mean. Use promo code Horton, and you'll save 25 bucks, and this show will get a little kickback, too. That's rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. Casali is C-A-S-A-L-I, rickcasali.com slash ronpaul. And there's free shipping, too. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, there were a couple of memes like this, but for the most part, it went unnoticed and unremarked that the difference between the Saudis and ISIS, which they sponsored in Syria was and in Western Iraq, was that ISIS wore black and the Saudis wear white. But here they are. It's the exact same pose as they cut some guy's head off uh, as they, you know, the only other um, people, you know, it is, again, it sounds like crazy war propaganda, but it's true. When the head of antiquities in Palmyra, Syria, they cut his head off and strung his corpse up on the traffic light. The only other place in the world you can find that going on is in Riyadh. That's right. And right. You know, ISIS used uh, Saudi Arabian textbooks in their schools. You know, that was the, the closest they could find of stuff that was available to teach their uh, students. You know, I mean, the Saudis have cleaned up some of that under you know, extraordinary international pressure. But for years, I mean, the reason we have people like the ISIS people is around the world, including in the U.S., you know, the Saudis spread absolute hate material in madrasas all over the world that, uh, you, know, you know, basically, you know, you hate the other, the other is inferior, et cetera. Really awful stuff. That's kind of the precursor to terrorism. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, especially during that time in the Saudi and American intervention in Syria, I remember Patrick Coburn talking about some of these preachers in Saudi who were really being amplified by their government, who were preaching, you know, what we would recognize as Nazi type rhetoric against Shiites, especially and that it, this is just, this is it. This is the end of the world. We got to kill all the Shiites, you know, this kind of stuff. Yep, and it's yep. being promoted, you know, at full volume by the government of Saudi at that time to radicalize people, to send them off for the war, for That's Obama's exactly dirty right. war. Yep, yep. Um So, and now now that's the promise of this guy, right? I'm, you know, Doug, I remember reading a thing about how the CIA was kind of complaining that they liked Mohammed bin uh, Zayed the cousin who was the crown prince who MBS overthrew. Yes. And they said, we like this guy. He worked with us against Al-Qaeda, which I thought must have been a mistake, maybe an editor's mistake. They must have meant to help us support Al-Qaeda all over the Middle East as we do. But whatever <laughs> it was, now they're kind of stuck with this guy. And of course, they got us fighting on Al-Qaeda's side in Yemen, but less so in Syria now, fighting just more on the side of the Kurdish leftists there. I think, well, no, it's still the, our friends, the Turks are protecting Al-Qaeda in Idlib province. I don't know how much Saudi has to do with that anymore, but I guess I wonder what you think about, compared to his predecessor, uh, what is MBS's, uh, you know, overall strategy or tactics in using these Al-Qaeda suicide bomber types as Obama did and as they all did in Syria and really in Libya before that in the Obama years um, going forward here. Do you think there's much more danger of that? Well, it looks to me like MBS is to some degree tired of foreign adventures. 
I mean, I don't see much evidence he's doing much in in the Syria these days. It seems like they've kind of given that one up. I mean, they're actually having discussions with the Iranians. The uh, you know, there's been a lot of discussions between actually Syrian government and UAE, which the U.S. has tried to get in the way of. And uh, the Saudis. So it looks to me like you. Know, you He's not, I mean, he clearly wants out of Yemen, but doesn't want to kind of allow the Houthis to have complete control, but he seems to have realized this has been an utter catastrophe. So my sense is that he is looking a bit more domestic. He's trying to figure up an economy that's not based on oil. He's got some of these massive development plans, which, you know, strike me, they could go very, very bad, but nevertheless seems to have his focus you know, he's playing a little bit more with the Chinese, trying to get more Chinese money in. So I, th- it looks to me like he's gone through this period where he just recognizes all those military adventures really are not helpful and, and is kind of walking away from those. I mean, he'll certainly use any, any group that he can for his own purposes, mm-hmm. but it looks to me like he has really stepped away from a lot of that stuff and is focusing a bit more. Part of it, I think, is trying to ensure his control. I mean, his dad is not in good shape. I mean, the presumption is, you know, the king is, you know, is not going to be around, you know, for an awful lot more. So he wants to take over, not have problems at home. Very young population, jobs matter, trying to satisfy that population matters. So I think he's got a somewhat different agenda to the future than the folks in the past. Yeah. And now as far as climbing down on Yemen, I wonder if there was, do you know if there's any talk really between him and Biden on this trip about what are they going to do in Yemen here? They have a ceasefire, which as Hassan Al-Tayeb is saying, looks like it might fall apart right now if we don't get the Congress to get the president to get MBS to finally climb down from this thing. Obviously they can't win the war. At the same time, they haven't lost. It's not like the Houthis are taking Riyadh. So how about time out and call it quits for real? Can we do it? Well, that wouldn't make a lot of sense, but this administration doesn't seem to get that. I mean, the pro- I think part of the problem here is this administration, for reasons that are almost unfathomable, has essentially taken the Trump position towards Iran. And part of the Trump position towards Iran is the Houthis are tools of Iran. The Saudis are fighting the Iranians by being in Yemen. You know, therefore, we can't simply demand that the Saudis leave Yemen because that would turn it all over to Iran. I mean, all of this, of course, is crap that, uh, you know, the reason the Iranians are active is because the Saudis were dumb enough to start a war with the Houthis, which gave the Houthis an all ascent opportunity to bleed uh, Saudi Arabia dry. But, uh, I mean, I hear that all the time from, you know, some of the right wing think tanks. Oh, the Houthis, it's all Iran. It's all, I mean, that's the way they do everything. Oh, we have to stay in Iraq because of Iran. I mean, they act as if Iran is the superpower, and if you know we, we leave you know one area you know, kind of open, they'll take it over, and the world will end. And I think that's the problem here. The Biden administration seems to treat Yemen as simply another front in the dealing with Iran, and of course, they're fully prepared to let the JCPOA go. They're making the yeah. same statements we're prepared to use military force. They're promising to you know make sure there will never be a nuclear weapon. They're over there you know in Israel, kind of you know, cuddling up and saying, we all agree on this in terms of nuclear weapons. I mean, it's it's very sad where he could have come in and returned the U.S., had minimal political problems, had done it, gotten it over and moved on. And instead, you know, we could end up in a war with Iran in the next year or two. Yeah, it's just incredible. And 
You know, it's got to be mentioned, too, as I know you know, most of this audience already knows, but maybe some people don't. It ain't just the USA. It's this guy, Joe Biden, who was the third most important man in the United States of America in terms of getting us into Iraq War II. You know, I mean, you could say Paul Wolfowitz maybe was tied for third place, but it was George Bush, Dick Cheney, and Joe Biden, the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee in the U.S. Senate, when the U.S. Senate was controlled by the opposition party, the upper house in the hands of the opposition party, and the leader of the Foreign Relations Committee was Cheney's whip, Bush and Cheney's whip against the rest of the Democrats to make sure they voted for the war when he could have stopped it if he tried. And then what did that mean? That means he's the guy who handed Baghdad over to Iran's best friends. And then he was vice president under Obama when Obama made, you know, tried to get rid of Assad, but ended up making the government in Syria more dependent on Iran than ever before. And then, as you just said, same for the Houthis, too. By even having this war, they've only empowered Iran in the Arabian Peninsula more than they ever were before and gave them a great way to... Uh, help weaken Saudi Arabia by turning them to their southwest instead of their northeast, where Persia lies this whole yep. time. And so whose fault is it all? It's all Joe Biden's fault the whole time. The only yep. time he wasn't in charge of this policy was in when Trump was in power. But the policy never changed the whole time for that four years. So same difference. So he's in no position to have any of these policies based on the danger of Iranian power and influence in the region when it's literally his individual fault, you know? Yep, that's exactly right. God dang, I can't believe Joe Biden's the president. He say that about Trump. I can't believe Donald <laughs> Trump is the president. Now I'm like, I can't believe Joe Biden's the president. The best and brightest America chooses for its leader. It's it's quite extraordinary. Yeah, it's just really. so embarrassing. I travel around the world and I can't explain it to anybody. Right. Yeah. No. What are you supposed to say? Well, it's, we don't. It's not up to us. <laughs> okay. Don't worry. Kamala Harris is vice president, and then why Nancy Pelosi is really on the ball? And she's house. Spe- you know, you're just like you want to run screaming from the room. Yeah. Seriously. Well, their best idea is they want Gavin Newsom to run for president. I guess he's going to run on a million people fled California while yeah. he was the governor of it for their <laughs> exactly. dear lives. That's right. He's going to do that for the rest of us. I can't wait. He's got nice hair though. He does. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Doug Bondo, you're awesome. Thank you so much for all your great articles and your time on the show again. Absolutely. You have a good one. You too. The Scott Horton Show, Anti-War Radio, can be heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. APSradio.com, antiwar.com, scotthorton.org, and libertarianinstitute.org.